Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This texter, not everybody would agree, says, Great interview with Charlie Huddy. Well, Charlie was great. I'm not sure the interviewer was any good. He signed my three-year-old son's new Oilers mini stick in about 1983 84, and he is an awesome guy. That text comes to us out of uh, Red Deer, Alberta. Yeah, well, you need guys like Charlie to win, and he was a rock-solid guy. I actually had a texter say, well, Stoff, you could have played anybody on that defense and they would have won the Stanley Cup. He, let's give the guy some credit. He had a 20-goal season in the NHL. He was a strong plus-minus player during his career. He helps teams win. That's the nature of hockey. All right, uh, let's go back to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, and we welcome back to the show David Staples from the Cult of Hockey and the Edmonton Journal. Hello, David. How are you? Great, Bob. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, that's You know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cue something up from yesterday's edition of Oilers Now. Uh, from uh, Frank Saravalli. Uh, and he says that uh, he are he says the Oilers are his early 2004 Stanley Cup favorites. Here's Frank At Cervalli. some point, and I thought that it would be this past year, Connor McDavid is not going to be denied. At some point, he's just going to pick this team up and put it on his, on his back. And he did an incredible job the last two years. I just think the Oilers were just a bit unlucky with everything that piled up in the playoffs uh-huh. Uh-huh. against Vegas. And it's amazing how quickly a series can get flipped. Um, I mean, the Oilers were, I don't know. They, they should have had a pretty... They, they could have had a two-to-one lead in that series, right? It, you know, you look at the series now and you think back of all the missed opportunities, like, that could have been the Oilers winning the Cup last year. All right. Uh, there you go. Uh, so, he's got the Oilers picked as a, uh, you know, his way-too-early prediction. I mean, I think Colorado's going to be good. We know Vegas is going to be good. I do think the Oilers can win the division. Um, where's your headspace at with where we're at right now at Edmonton? Well, I might not be the most reliable narrator for the Oilers, Bob. I'm an Oilers fan. So, I, you don't count. Is that what you're saying? I think you absolutely count if you're an Oilers fan. Well, I count, but I'm just saying, like, I, I thought they would win um, the year before against Colorado, and I was just dead wrong because the apps were way better than I thought yeah. they were. I thought they should have won last year, this year, I should say, in the playoffs, yep. and I, I still think that. I think they got, unfortunately, they got outcoached and they got outplayed by Vegas. And it was, it's, this one is on, last one was on Colorado. This one's on the Oilers. And I think that's why it's so much more bitter for the team. And it's a real, I think it's a real lesson. You, you have this tremendous opportunity. Colorado's out, Boston's out. And essentially, you didn't bring your A game when you needed to bring your A game. And you lost. And I just think that's a huge motivator for the Oilers. It's just, we, we saw this. 
We've seen this with our other teams. We can go back in Oilers history. We remember the miracle on Manchester, the bitter loss to the LA Kings, and then the loss to the Islanders in the next season. These these are if this is motivational fuel. Sometimes you need to go through losing before you learn how to win. Definitely, no doubt about it. And I think the others. I mean, who? Colorado's obviously a really good team with McCarr and McKinnon if they get goaltending and they're healthy. And um, there's some teams in the East that are good in Vegas. You can't count them out with the way they played last year. But yeah, I think when you look at the Oilers roster and their motivation, the stage of their careers they're at, I, I just see them as the, the favorite. What did What did you think of Frank saying on yesterday's show when we ran the clip earlier today that he? I said it's better than fifty fifty that Edmonton. You know, we know Daryl Cates. Uh, you were. I don't know if you remember the interview that I did with Wayne Gretzky, back, and I, we looked it up. It was on January 9th of two thousand eight. Because uh, I, you know, at that time the IG had the team. Daryl was pursuing the team, uh, and I, I asked Wayne point blank, like, "Hey, uh, you know, Peter Pocklington sold you to the uh, to the uh, Kings. You know, uh, he sold Mark to the Rangers. Fans are nervous about a single." And he and Wayne cut me off and said, "Look, if Daryl gets the team, Daryl Cates gets the team, he's going to do everything possible to keep the best players." I think, you know, better than a 50% chance. The Oilers get both guys re-signed. Valley's got it at better than 75% chance. Uh, I mean, Frank's a pretty plugged-in guy, David. What do you think of that? Well, I hope he's talked to someone on the inside of McDavid and Dreisaitl Caps. Uh, and he's getting that he's getting that strong indication from them. I, I suspect that may be the case, but I don't know that to be the case. Things have changed a lot, Bob, uh, both with the Oilers franchise and with McDavid and Dreisaitl. There was a few years ago when... You know, people as plugged in as Elliot Friedman. Uh, this is when Shirelli was running the team and the team went down the tubes. Like, you know, there was there were some iffy moments in this franchise, but things have picked up considerably, and that was super, super encouraging to hear that from him. Uh, and, you know, Daryl Cates has signed. Like, look at the players he signed. He's, and you, you, he listed them yesterday. Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, Drysaddle, McDavid, a number of, uh, you know, then there's been Hyman, uh, Nugent Hopkins' second contract, Darnell Nurse's contract. There's been a number of major, major signings, which are which kind of belie the history of the Edmonton Oilers and keeping great players in town. So they've already done it in the Daryl Cates uh, era. And, and it was so, what Frank said was so encouraging that I'm now hard at work here trying to figure out like what percentage of the cap might McDavid and Dreisaitl take in Edmonton, what their next contract's going to be here. And, you know, the trend, the interesting trend when you look at players like McDavid and Dreisaitl, and McDavid's already one of the top, he's, he's already in the top 20 uh, players for career value in the NHL history. He's, you know, with his MVP awards, he's already, and he's, he could easily move into the top 10, into the top five. Um, it'd be a, it'd be quite a chore to challenge for number one, but he's already there. And when you look at players of that category, there's only a few of them in the NHL. And what we've seen with Crosby, Ovechkin, and Malkin is that on their second big contract, they've taken less. They've taken less percentage yep. of the cap. They've put more value. They've all stayed in the city where they were at, and they've put more value in winning, taking a little bit less money themselves. So other players can, so they can round up the team with better players. So that's the trend. The only player in the top 50 in career value um, who's taken more was Eric Carlson, 
And that's kind of a different situation because in his in his second contract after the LC, he still wasn't established as a superstar, and he hadn't really gotten paid um, like a superstar. So I think he was looking for that superstar contract. So he, I think he's a bit of an anomaly. Um, it doesn't really, um, you know, I, I think that the, the trend is promising when we look at uh, Crosby, Ovechkin, and, and Malkin. David, you wrote a piece recently on, what, what was it, the worst number one overall pick in NHL history or the worst pick in NHL history? <laughs> worst pick. And 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 I it, I came upon this because I was just looking at stats. I was looking, the other day I was just looking at the you know, former Oilers players, you know, people that we've all had high hopes in, you know, everyone from Timu Hardikainen to... Linus Omark to whoever, and have moved on. Are they still playing? Was well, like in Mark Antoine Pouliot. I think he's still playing. And so I was one. Then I checked up on Yakupov, and oh. I just thought he had a really his career in the KHL. I mean, there was hopes. You know, if you like the player, like the individual, you're hoping you like well, the maybe guy. in the KHL like, he'll, yeah. Do, yeah. he'll do well. But he he has not. He had like three points in 14 playoff games. It's he. I don't know if he was injured. He only played 16 regular season games, but. He, so anyway, I started to compare him to the other, um, just first overall picks. And it's, there's a, there's an argument to be made that he is the worst first overall pick of all time, that he's exceeded both, uh, Patrick Stefan and Greg Jolly. Greg Jolly had a very kind of similar mediocre NHL career, but he was a really good AHL player. And I don't know if you can say the same about Yakupov in the KHL. He's just never really, He's never really found it. He had one good year with St. Peter. It's it's ironic yeah. because his first year in Edmonton, and that was the the lockout year of 12-13, people probably remember. I mean, by the way, let's circle back to the 2012 draft. There was it, there was way more unanimity. Uh, it, was, it was far more unanimous uh, out there for the marketplace. They wanted Yakupov. Like, you know what? Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan, it was a 60-40 split for Taylor Hall. Nugent Hopkins versus uh, Landeskog, Poss, even Adam Larson. It was probably, you know, there was concerns about his size. Does he need to go back to junior for another year? In Yakupov's case, I, I, I remember hosting the show at the time. It was over. It was like 80 I'd say it was almost 90% in support of the Oilers taking Yakupov number one. So let's not have revisionist history with people. Oh, I, I knew he was going to be a... David, did you not do a poll at that time? Yeah. I myself was over the moon at the thought of him getting Yakupov. I mean, Scotty Bowman, who is, you know, one of the great hockey minds of all time, if not the greatest hockey mind of all time, had he was comparing him to Pavel Bure. Bob McKenzie had uh, eight out of ten uh, TSN scouts they talked to. Eight out of ten had him as the number one guy. We did a poll that we had uh, 5,500 fans voted, and 85% voted Yakupov. Take Yakupov. So this was like an overwhelming consensus um, pick for number one. Now we know uh, from reporting that Mark Spector has done that the orders um, draft group was quite divided. Yes, and and I and I was it. Was it um, Ryan Murray that they wanted, or was it Griffin Reinhardt? It was like oh, the half, ish? Of them, okay. half of them wanted a different player than Yakupov, I think. So here's what happened. Several of the scouts' contracts were up. Steve Tambellini was the general manager, okay? Uh, their contracts were up, and Steve, you know, you take a look at it. You got Nugent Hopkins. You got uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins had gone number one the year before, Taylor Hall, so center oh. and a winger. Did you need another winger, or did you need a D? 
they had drafted Perry Arby, and he was still on the team, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. still, Magnus was still on the team at that point. Yeah. And they didn't really, so, but, but the issue was Murray at two was, frankly, he was just a guy. He wasn't a dynamic selection. Then you had Reinhardt at four, and there was the you know the hometown. Like if anybody was going to know him, you'd think the Oilers organization would know him. Well, in the end, they didn't know him well enough because you got to put work in to continuously improve. And you know Griffin had a very short NHL career and had some ability. Morgan Riley torn uh, ACL that year. Uh, the Leafs got him at number five. Uh, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Hampus Lindholm went sixth and uh, Dumbo went seventh. And the best player was probably the best player out of that draft is either Morgan Riley or Philip Forsberg. And Forsberg dropped Forsberg dropped way down in that draft. Yeah, he was he was like a four or five guy that dropped to twelve. It was it was you know like again eighty what was it eighty five percent of your uh, followers Uh, in the in the poll yeah yeah you know like. Let's not have revisionists, but it is shocking. And then he ended up leading the team in goals in the lockout year in 12-13. And his first year at St. Petersburg, he scored 23 goals, and he cratered after that in both leagues. Like, it's crazy when you think about it. Indeed. So the the best argument against him being the worst, like if you're just going to focus on first overall picks who didn't pan out, I mean, in um, – Patrick Stefan's year, they could have taken one of the Sedin brothers. In Yakupov's year, there wasn't really an obvious player who was clearly better. I mean, I think if Morgan Riley hadn't been hurt, he would have had a year that would have made him the first overall pick because he is a dynamic player. And, um, you know, he just would have lit up everybody's eyes. And, and, and I think including the Oilers, if he had put up like 90 points, which, which is probably what he would have done. But uh, and then Jolly's year. Jolly's year was an interesting year because there were some really good players, but they they allowed eighteen year olds in the draft for the first time, and so like Brian Brian Trotche was in the draft, but he was passed on until the second round. So there was really no one obviously high up in the draft, a twenty year old like Jolly who was better than him. So he was a he was kind of like Yakupov, um, a guy who didn't turn out in kind of a weak draft year. In that case, the draft year got better because Trache was in it, and I think a couple other really good eighteen-year-olds were in it. But they, the NHL scouts didn't trust those eighteen-year-olds at that time. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, hey, uh, you are the uh, not just from the cult of hockey, but the provincial affairs columnist. Um, and they, did you hear the news about uh, Prime Minister Trudeau? Yeah, I don't agree with all of his politics, but uh, I wish him nothing with the best of luck in some of the challenges that he's having in his personal yeah, family life. I, I think, Bobby, and anyone who's been through a divorce, and I've been through a divorce with kids, and anyone who's been through that knows how unbelievably painful and um, distressing it is for everybody involved. And what I hope for anyone in that situation, including Justin Trudeau, is like keep your eyes on the prize, which is taking care of the kids. And if that's the focus... Um, people can get through it relatively unscathed. Dave, did you not include Alexander Dagg as a potential number one pick, one of the worst number one picks of all time? Yeah, now they could have taken Pronga, right? So instead of him. And so that's the best argument against Yakupov is that you can, there's all these other players um, that were taken first overall. And and I hate to bring this up because I love, love Brian Lawton as a commentator. Yeah. They could have taken Steve Iserman or Pat LaFontaine instead of Brian Lawton. Well, Pat LaFontaine was the consensus number one pick for that draft. So and that lot- might even be the worst because it was a reach to take Brian Lawton. It's not his fault. Yeah. Not his fault. But it was a reach to take him 
And there's two guys there who are, I remember with his fourth, they, with, that are, you know, super Hall of Fame hockey players. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting debate. I don't think there's a one correct answer, but I think, and it, it, Yakupov is definitely, he's definitely, unfortunately, in that debate. Well, David, the good news is, thanks to uh, Debbie and Colin and the gang at Wow Factor Desserts, we have a Hall of Fame guest, Brian Lawton, on board for the upcoming season. So away <laughs> we go. How do people exactly. follow you? At the Cult of Hockey on Twitter. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks for your time, David. Bye-bye. Yeah, 149 at Edmonton. I uh, will tell you, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Royal Pizza, uh, 14 Edmonton area locations. You can get a free 2-liter Coke with a purchase of $35 or more online at royalpizza.ca, or you can visit the uh, Royal Pizza app. Stop for recommendation at uh, Royal Pizza's Mediterranean Chicken. Brendan Escott likes the Texan. We teased this day in Oilers history yesterday. We're going to get to it when we return for New West Travel. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to go to Listy and Oilers History for New West Travel. We really haven't even started the push yet. Three quarters sold out. We're going to have to buy more spots for a trip to Nashville at the start of the season with New West Travel. Uh, with our Oilers now, Roadie, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. Brendan, we had 75 people down there a couple of years ago. And Cam Moon, who'll be in studio tomorrow with us, and myself, we had a great time with everybody. It was a wrap around. It was a good time. I slept like a baby after. I think that was the night Dry Settle. Uh, no, it was uh, he? He would have scored. He always scores against him. I think he had a couple that night. Uh, it was not the night he scored four. That was uh, was that the uh, before the uh, pandemic hit. What do you got for us back in 2005? I remember this well. Yeah, well, it was a pretty significant day. The Oilers acquiring all-star defenseman Chris Pronger from the St. Louis Blues for Eric Brewer, Brad Lynch, and Jeff Wojtka. Pronger only playing the one year in Edmonton, but of course helped lead the team to the Stanley Cup final in 2006. Requested a trade in June that year, was sent to Anaheim for uh, two first-rounders, a second-rounder, Joffrey Lupel and Laddie Smead. So when I'm like 77 and I write my book, all the stuff I knew that I didn't say, I've got some stories in and around the precursor to that trade happening. Hilarious stuff. Uh, (laughs) With one of the players involved in the deal. Oh, man. And you know what, Brandon? That was on um, the 2nd of uh, August because we were in the lockout in 0405 and then they got the deal ratified with an actual CBA. On the 3rd, the Oilers had a press conference over at the Kingsway office and later that day finished a deal acquiring Michael Pecka. Let me guess, that'll be this day in Oilers history tomorrow. That is this day in Oilers history for New West. Travel serving travelers since 1979. Nashville in October is going to be a kicker. You can be a part of it on the Oilers Now road trip. 
Reed Wilkins has inside sports. He was uh, on last night. I jumped in and I bumped Wayne's uh, sports cards. Felt bad for only for about five minutes. <laughs> uh, you will hear from uh, Jason Strudwick, uh, Doug Pleggins, who calls the games for the Florida Panthers on radio, and uh, Jordan Baker, the head coach of the Edmonton Stingers as well. I'm old. I remember Jordan Baker back in 1999. That's uh, Trix and Doug Baker's son playing basketball uh, at the U of A. Of course, uh, Jordan's parents were two great players at the University of Alberta. Jordan's probably been the best basketball player in the last 25 years there. Didn't win a national championship. Don Horwood won uh, back-to-back titles 94, 95, and 03. But Jordan came a little bit later. Tomorrow, Cam Moon, John Shannon. Could have a slightly fluid show tomorrow. Reed Wilkins, tonight, 6 to 8. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then the drive with Ted Annelly. Back at you at noon. So long, everybody.